Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who love to read. Readers who love to write. And anyone who loves words. So today we are talking about Marvel and we are spending the whole summer or most of the summer talking about Marvel <laughs> just because it's fun and we want to geek out on it. Yes. <laughs> And also because we think there's a lot to learn about the craft of storytelling and writing um, from these stories and these heroes and all of that. So we have lots of fun episodes planned, but today we thought it would be exciting to talk about some of the larger scope of this Marvel universe and how these stories interact, um, how they interweave, how they kind of come back around how there are all these little call outs for the fans of things yes. from earlier stories and what we as storytellers can learn about that particularly those of us maybe writing series or writing um larger sagas i think can really Absolutely. take something away from that so i wanted to first talk about crossover um with stories because i found this fascinating the first ever real crossover book was actually Mark Twain, um, <laughs> yes, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, um, where Tom Sawyer makes a guest appearance. I did not know that. I no, that I would not have put that together. But yep. <laughs> and then I looked at, like, Marvel as a heritage has really been crossing over comics since the 1980s. And it was really a strategy to get people to buy um, more comics and to get sure. those kind of interconnected storylines that cross series. And so you would have these special designs that were like, okay, this one is in this one. And then you have to go to this number in this one to get the next arc. And so they would do so complex. like that. I didn't realize yes, that. Absolutely. <laughs> I think that heritage kind of lent itself mm -hmm. well into when they started with obviously they've tried to do hulk and you know fantastic four before but sure. really the beginning of the beginning for marvel's interconnected interwoven storytelling was iron man and as they were doing that they already had the avengers kind of as that end point of that phase they had hopes of it so mm -hmm. they they laid the groundwork there agent colson shows up in iron man you yeah. have the end credit scene that has fury coming in and talking about the avengers initiative yeah and i think looking at how they set it up in general they were always working towards they did this kind of in phase one this arc of introductory stories that each mm -hmm. had a very different feel to them different storytellers but they were all working towards that end point of the avengers film yeah and i think having that point that they were working towards and mm -hmm. they did that multiple times where they went out you know you have your thor your captain america um you have your iron man they all set up that first film you got yeah. the introduction to them so that when they became a team you actually knew everyone that was there already you had the foundations of their characters they didn't try to throw them all in together right away they right. established each of them separately i think that allowed us to one to lead with character we yeah. get we get who tony stark is we get you know even though at the end of that movie, he's gone through some form of arc. Like we get that he's still himself and that just by who he is being very 
arrogant, self-assured, the I am I am Iron Man at the end of that film, you know that it's going to be trouble. Like he's not Mm -hmm. a team player. Mm -hmm. And so I think forcing him then to undergo that challenge of having to be on a team, all these people who do not work well together, with the exception of Captain America, you kind of you're automatically setting up these really great high stakes. And that's the important part of storytelling is you have these high stakes. It's a challenge. It's something that we're like, what's going to happen? And, and I think having that goal endpoint in mind, even at that point was kind of key to the success in those initial films they had those points that they were moving towards. They knew where they had to get to, even though it was written by a bunch of different people. That's such a great point. I hadn't really thought of that, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And it's something we can learn ourselves as storytellers, like um, how important it can be even just to know the end of your book and where you're, what you're working towards or the end of the series and what you're working towards. Or if you have lots of points of view, like how you're going to bring them together and at what point you're going to bring them together, like knowing where you're going can really help establish where you start and establish the direction that you send those characters on or that your story moves in. And it allows you to then to throw in those little hints and hooks and foreshadowing things that make people like, oh, wait, is so-and-so coming back? Or, oh, is this going to happen? And like, then you want to see it and you want to keep reading. Absolutely. That's also what they do so well is, I mean, the order of things that they did matter, but they're constantly hinting at the future. Like we have moments that literally are setting up the next film or the next three Um, in Civil War, which I very recently watched. They're setting up Black Panther. They're setting up, the next Ant-Man and the Wasp, they're setting up in general, like they're setting up where it's going. Yeah. They, the conflict between Tony and Captain America is so important mm-hmm. in to the storytelling in general, because it brings that huge, this feels like it's catastrophic. They'll never get together, you know, be a part of the same team again, yes. but it also kind of sets up okay, where do we go from here? If the Avengers is completely like torn apart, where is that going to send us off on in general? So you have that uncertainty of the future as you're setting up the next films. Mm -hmm. And I think having that understanding that, okay, what is it we're moving towards ultimately? Like what is the end point? But also like where are the little stops along the way that are important for us to get to that ultimate overarching story and keep putting little moments in there. As I was doing research for this, what's interesting is with the Avengers, you know, there was Joss Whedon did the first one and the second one. And then they brought in to do the final two, the same group like the two directors Anthony Russo Joe Russo and then screenwriters Stephen McFeely and Christopher Marcus they did all four films basically The Winter Soldier which was a Captain America standalone mm-hmm. Civil War which really serves as kind of a midpoint between the Avengers sure. and then they also did Infinity War and they did Endgame and mm-hmm. I think keeping the same storytellers had that great knowledge 
of these characters and could in their stories like keep plugging in things from different moments yeah I think it brought a cohesion that if they had used different storytellers it wouldn't have the same kind of through line for those films Um, because they they knew where they had left off the character and they could move them forward and they also did infinity war and Endgame together like they would brainstorm Mm. it they had it's a crazy way of doing it but i props to them for doing it this way (laughs) they had three by five cards that they basically would write a bunch of things on one on one wall was what's going to happen in the first film one on the Mm. other wall is what's going to happen in the second and then they had like different characters all over that they could see, okay, what characters are going to be in this one and where uh-huh. and when. And they even said that, again, spoiler alert, um, <laughs> that one of the reasons why they did the snap was so that they could have fewer characters to deal with, that they could oh, shrink the narrative down. Uh-huh. Um, they separated Infinity War into these pockets of stories. Like sure. really it's four main narratives that are interwoven together. And they then brought those to the conclusion during the snap. And then they had a new story that was basically like one, they break apart for the time uh-huh. heist, but they kind of kept that together and they didn't want all of those narratives because it was just so unruly they said at one point there's like 23 main characters in infinity war (laughs) right (laughs) which is unruly you can't do that your audience will absolutely stand with that unless you break it apart into like little segments and give them the moments to interact and and they said that they played with energy that way that they basically would set it up as they would imagine the characters interacting in a certain scene they would kind of envision it and be like oh is that does that chemistry work how does that feel um and they did that with a lot of those cards just moving things around and visualizing um and that's how over four years they developed those two films that's crazy that's so interesting too and I think there's a lot we can learn from that like even when you have a smaller (laughs) cast like how can you break them up into smaller groups even yeah I, mean, I think six of crows is a really good example of that because absolutely when you have this larger cast um or this kind of ensemble cast a little bit but really it's i don't think there's any more than like two or three scenes where you see all of them together at once and absolutely. it doesn't get broken down into like these two going off and talking <laughs> and these three going off and talking or you know like right um and so even on a scene-to-scene basis how can you separate out two or three characters or you know like or just a smaller yes. group to make that storytelling and the dialogue look a little more consumable for the, for the audience absolutely well and the more people you have in a scene the more people have to concentrate on everything that's yep. going on and it it gets overwhelming yeah. even just figuring out what everyone wants and keeping it in that small place allows you to really get the the play of the conversation between two or three people. And I loved that about Six of Crows. I love that about Marvel is they have moments, like it's very on purpose that they have these moments with these people. And then they have dialogue to underscore that moment. I love how they don't let those underscored moments go by as well. Like they Mm. pay homage to them over time um 
there's a very powerful moment that kind of does that play at the very beginning where Sam and Captain America meet. He's running around the, um, I think it's the Lincoln Washington Monument, maybe? Yeah. Um, The pool there. And Uh he keeps saying, on your left, on your left. And he's laughing him multiple times. And it's, it's this wonderful joke. And, but then in Endgame, when you start hearing the crackle and you're like, wait, what's happening? You don't really even get that it's Sam, mm-hmm. but he, the, one of the first things you hear him say is I'm on your left. And like, just yeah. the attention to that, that when there's a moment, sometimes underscoring that at a later point can kind of remind you of these connection between these two characters and it can give you like reinvest you in the significance of it and even how far they've come yes absolutely I think those are the kinds of moments too that are those kinds of callbacks are what get audience like so excited you know like absolutely I think that plays to to geekdom right like those are the things we all kind of want to see like we want to see storytellers who really know their story well Yes. And who can prove to us that they know their story as well as we do, right? Like absolutely by, um, using those kinds of things. And and it really is those those payoffs that yeah. are are we necessarily here to see that payoff? No, but we're we're here to see these characters that we love yeah. interact and hopefully make it through. Like and it reminds us of of those relationships. It reminds us of those connections. They tease Avengers assemble for like I I think the first when they talk about it is in Ultron and so you're like 10 movies down the road finally finally you get that moment and when he says you know broken shield Captain America holding Thor's hammer says Avengers and you're like wait she's gonna say it (laughs) assemble like it pays off because it it earned that moment through blood sweat pain all of that like it had all that emotion behind it because of all that came before and I think making the promise they knew what they were doing when they teased it and Mm. at the end of Ultron he says Avengers and it cuts directly to the directed by screen they knew exactly (laughs) what they're doing and the person who then took up the storytelling was like oh that's a string that we haven't you know we haven't tied that one. Yes. Let's do it in this. Yeah. That's such a great point too. Like as you're writing, knowing those strings that you've left dangling and yes. what questions you've raised and where the reader is going to be wanting more of something and how can you make sure that you tie those knots, that you yes. fulfill those promises, that you answer those questions um, is really important. And when you do it well, it really does pay off a lot. Yes. <laughs> Your reader will thank you and they will stand by you and be extra loyal (laughs) (laughs) absolutely well and and thinking about the ones where it's something that's open that you you didn't have the answer for and you it wasn't necessarily a promise but when it was then paid off later the satisfaction associated with it I know in in catching fire I think it is there's this point where she 
slips off into consciousness and he Peter says something and she doesn't hear it mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's handed back to her um mm-hmm. once he's gone and she realizes that it was always is what he said and then she pays it off again when it's said again and I think realizing that those moments yeah. they don't have to be tied up in a story you don't even have to like you can just hint like just delicate hinting as long as you pick it up and it, the through line is clear if someone's been paying attention they're gonna get it they're, mm-hmm. and it's going to be like that little bit of like brightness you're like yeah. <laughs> there is kind of that when the attention to those type of details is paid yes. like when that through line maybe it was hinted at maybe not like fully done when that when it's something open we like things to be closed we like things to kind of come to that little fruition and sometimes those little things we they just stick out and you're like wait but what was the resolution to that like what was (laughs) and I think especially as you're if you're working in a series and you're working towards something putting those little seeds that maybe aren't fully resolved that can kind of grow into something bigger yeah has that good and delightful feeling and as we said kind of looking forward as you write something to say if I'm going in this direction what what could I leave to pay off later yeah how can I set this up yeah and how can I keep track because this is where story bibles come into play that's absolutely and I think as we talk about, especially series writing, I mm-hmm. think keeping track in a story Bible, yeah. keeping track of who your characters are over time, especially, mm-hmm. especially if you're going to play with like a timeline where it's like here they're doing this and here they're doing that. It's so important to manage those details for yourself yeah. that if you revisit, you'll know where you're at. Or even to reread and to go back in and be like, okay, what did I say? What what was the feeling of that? So yeah. that you can kind of go back into the story and pick up where you left off. Yeah. It's always so fascinating to me with things like Marvel, where you have so many different writers and over the course of a whole thing, like how how do they all keep track of it? And like, like, do they have a story Bible that they just pass off from writer to writer? Or like, I'm so fascinated or curious about that. Or do they each just go back and rewatch the stories and the producers just have to trust that this new storyteller will, will do justice to it? I don't know. I think that there's definitely things that they're told that they have to keep in the, like, in the story. Like, yeah. to me, from what I've heard different directors in Marvel talk about, they know certain things that they have to do. They are free okay. to do it in the way that they want to. Like, James mm. Gunn did both of the Guardians. Um, and it definitely, yeah. like, it has such a different, different tone, feel, a different feel. Yeah, for sure. But it definitely was setting certain elements up. Yeah. And they had to pay attention to certain things because mm. that was part of the overall arc. Yeah. And I think that's how having one producer that's over. I was just going to ask, like, all, who controls yeah. that overarching story? Kevin Feige okay. um, overarchingly controls okay. it. But they definitely have setups. I think he controls the ultimately the phases and where they go. Mm-hmm. And from what it sounds like Disney does in other things, namely in Star Wars, they have like brain trusts who know, like who manage things. With what they did in the latest Spider-Man, I think that that 
all the attention to detail in that film, No Way Home, I think had to come from someone watching the films over and over and over again and loving them mm-hmm. and getting in the moment the different moments that needed to be both from that macro story level, but also the micro moments, like the, mm-hmm. the little things that needed to be there too. Yeah. And, and I think it's good to remember that the small thing can have an Just profound impact. Yeah. yeah. I was noticing in um, when I was watching Endgame this time, it was interesting. Natasha's hair in Infinity Wars is blonde, like she uh-huh. bleached it blonde. And she hasn't cut it since then. So her the ends of her hair are bleached blonde. The rest is her red and she hasn't cut it. So it's the, her hair shows the passage of those Mm. five years of time. And I, whoever did that needs a pay raise. I'm like, I I loved that. The opening sequence has Tony and Nebula. They're playing paper football Mm -hmm. and she always loses. Like this character has lost and lost and lost. And she beats him in paper football. And (laughs) it's this beautiful moment that you're like, it's kind of fun and throwaway, but the impact to the character is actually quite profound. She's just trying to find her family, her dynamics in the Avengers at the time. She's just lost her sister. It's just a beautiful moment that Mm -hmm. I thought was really thoughtful and just an attention to who the people in the moment are and what they need what they want what maybe is a wound like Mm -hmm. just those little moments Mm -hmm. they can be fun but they can also have that impact as well that emotional one yeah those are such great examples and when we talk about details making a story and that's true you know from the fact of like building a world or putting your reader into the the sense of the place and and all of that but it can also extend so much broader than that I think those are really good examples of that like being aware not just of the details of your setting or the details of what your character likes or doesn't like that kind of thing but being aware more broadly of the details of the story itself and how you can pull those out and play with those a little bit even I very recently watched Civil War actually after Endgame and there's a part in Endgame where Steve Rogers and um, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, are from New York. And one is from Queens and the other is from Brooklyn. And there's a moment in Civil War where that comes out. He's like, where are you from? And, you know, Queens. And Uh and then at the very end, there's a sequence in Civil War where Spider-Man has, like, something on his eye. And he's like, oh, I was beat up by Steve from Brooklyn. (laughs) They pay it off in Endgame. Yeah. When when there's a pass between them, he calls him Queens. And I just thought, mm. even though it's not framed in exactly the same way, and maybe no one would get it unless they're watching with subtitles, which by the way, yeah. writing hack when you're watching <laughs> yeah. when you're watching a movie, always put on subtitles. Yeah. But I don't watch dialogue, anything without subtitles. <laughs> it stands out so much more, mm, like yeah. right? Like you get the impact of the words in a way that you don't necessarily just do in dialogue it could be missed but when you read it and hear it I think it it gives you like the full impact you might be getting it subconsciously but it brings it to your conscious mind I think 
Well, in that example, I think is also so like that. Those are the kinds of little moments that they seem small, but they're what makes mm. the character feel real. What makes the world feel real? You know, like those details. Like, what would two people from these two places? How would they interact? Or what might they call each other or say? Or you know, like or call out? Yeah. And would there be a connection? Like it's yeah. small, but it's finding those intersections between yes. the characters where it's something that they can connect with. Yeah. And even though they're on different sides of that battle, I think seeing that kind of respect um, between the characters so that you know that, okay, they might have a different relationship in the future, in the future yeah. if something changes. <laughs> and, and that's kind of that beautiful, those beautiful moments. There's, mm-hmm. there's a dynamic moment um, between Tony and Steve actually in the Avengers where Tony is adverse to recalling to be called a soldier and he he actually says in one point i'm not a soldier and to steve because steve is like is this the first you know is this the first soldier you've lost because he's talking about agent colson and then there's a moment where like the power dynamic shifts when they have the avengers moment iron man defers to steve he says call it cap and he gives him kind of the go ahead for him to take over and to do all the strategy because he's the one who knows it and they actually pay that back basically there's a moment where they have to decide are they going to go time travel again roll the dice hopefully get the tesseract and he basically throws it back you know tony throws it back to captain again and he says your call those attentions of there are moments when your character is doing something that would be very difficult to like write down in in a way but having them use words or dialogue that actually compare those moments to each other yeah I think can really help give you some information um, yeah actually it's another way to use that contrast almost absolutely um, that's so great I think it's also important when we look as kind of a final thing at obviously what they do in Marvel is you have a you have death you have lost. And in fact, in those last two films, you have a lot of it highly emotional. I think going back and watching the order in which they do it and the time frames in which they do them, Mm -hmm. they don't do them all at once. They have you, each one gets a moment. There's lots of separation. I think understanding how they interweave grief, loss, pain, death, but then they give you a bunch of other emotions in there. Like yeah. they chose very specifically to do certain things at certain points in time. Mm-hmm. And I think looking at it from that perspective of how much can your, how much can your audience, your audience take? take? Yeah. Um, which end of infinity war gut punch, yeah. but they honor that. They actually don't mm-hmm. do any loud music at the end. Like it's very solemn. Mm-hmm. It's very purposeful. It's, basically they have kind of the subtitles drift away as well almost like dust and I think looking at that of the how did they make these films still palatable even though they are so emotionally wrought is really fascinating especially in the time heist sequence where they place Vormir and the loss the Clint and the um yeah Natasha scene because they they regretted not being able to put that into the third act um they regretted it having to be where it was but I think they chose a really good 
spot for mm-hmm. it so that you felt the full impact of the sacrifice and the the love between those two characters who yeah. have to make an impossible choice. Mm-hmm. I, I think paying attention to those things too of where, how they set tone, but how they interweave tone throughout yeah. as well. Well, and paying attention to the consequences of those things, you yes. know, like there isn't, I definitely have read books and series where something traumatic happens and then the characters just go on and right. it's like, wait, what? And, and I really appreciate that Marvel doesn't let yes. that happen. Like everything that has a cost has a cost and it pays off in yes. future, in future films. Um, you watch the consequence of that payoff and the characters grapple with that consequence in a really in fascinating ways and interesting ways and in powerful ways and moments too Mm -hmm. absolutely those reactions are even if they have to do other things for storytelling they are still there they are present you feel it and Mm -hmm. they give that moment yeah they even punch the moment before you know there's like this little beautiful she's friends with Steve and there's this moment where she's like, see you in a, in a bit. And mm-hmm. it's just this sweet, you don't realize the significance of it until afterwards, but paying attention to all of that, to yeah. making that land. Um, Yay. Okay. Well, we will definitely be talking more Marvel in future episodes yes. and digging in a little more specifically to different things. Um, yeah. But we hope you enjoyed this kind of overview of um, crossover and interweaving stories together over a a vast span of individual stories and storytelling as a whole. If you did enjoy this, we would love it if you would leave a review. That helps us out a ton. It helps other people find the podcast and and just lets people know what they can expect when they listen. Um, So we would love for you to do that if you have a second. And also find us on Instagram. That's kind of where we hang out and we'll be talking more about Marvel there as well. So thank you for joining us. Keep reading, keep watching things and keep um, writing your own stories and sharing them with the world. Bye.